Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We're coming to you on week eight of our stay at home during the COVID-19 pandemic, each of us recording in our homes. We're checking in on industry news and hopefully exposing you to something new as we share our film and series recommendations. Plus, we preview our new weekly Film Under Quarantine series. I'm Jesse Olszewski, filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Erica Berlin, executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming. I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. So this week, uh, we'll talk about our film under quarantine, Spaceship Earth. We'll talk with Jesse about shooting a film during quarantine, and John will try to convince us that we are living in Blade Runner 2020. We'll also talk about A Serious Man, available on Netflix with our guest listener, Spencer Myers. everyone doing you serious this is week eight wow yeah yep i'm great i just wanted to throw a curveball in there somebody well, else, it's been a week be, somebody's got to be loving the quarantine somebody's like i'm in my hog habit i'm not minding it yeah i mean i'm used i think i'm used to it now there you go you see you I've fallen pattern. into a new pattern. You got a routine. Yes, I would say I have done the same. I take a nap most afternoons now, which I never did before. Uh, and I'm really enjoying that. But I still really, really miss, you know, going out to film grain. I mean, film grain was part of my routine Wednesday nights. That was the thing I always did. And I don't have that. Um, and, you know, we're not hanging out with friends, but now that we're in the yellow phase, I'm, I'm seeing my family. I'm seeing my mother and my sisters and my nephew, you know, we're getting together and we're not wearing masks. Sorry, please don't report me to the state. But I, I feel like, I mean, have you been gathering with your families? Have you been, no. you know, sans mask? I had been gathering with just my immediate family. Erica locks me in the closet when her family comes over, so no, it's it's. A bit Mike a wishes I did that. She'll, she'll slide a plate of food underneath. See <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, but they sound like they're having a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm doing all right, but I get I get kind of I get a little concerned when I see you know people being a little cavalier about the masks. Today I was on an elevator that was very small and a woman came into the small elevator with no mask on, definitely closer than six feet. I was a little upset by this. Um, and I realized in that moment that instead of confronting people, the best thing to do is just carry some disposable masks with me when I go out and then just hand it to someone when I see that they don't have one. And then it's helpful and not hurtful. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. I yeah, just... carry, carry around your bundle of masks everywhere yes. you go. Change I the think world. It's, you know what? It's the least I can do. If you don't have a mask, let You're me You're taking assume. away those people's freedom. I don't know. I've heard some pretty <laughs> terrible stories about people reacting poorly to being asked to wear masks. Yeah, you're, you're taking away that person's freedom. 
you should be chastised for well it. and i i said this i don't really comment on facebook about this at all but i just happened to and i got some likes and no one fought me on it this idea that okay you're going to open stores you're going to have to have bouncers at the door because there will be confrontations there will be people that get irate and if you have like a teenage you know sales associate at the door that's you're not going to really you're you're going to have some issues there so I hope that the stores um, approach this with caution, but with practicality. So I went to the liquor store. They had a very <laughs> nice line. <laughs> yes, I went to the liquor store. We had this story last week, didn't we? I know, but they did it right. I'm just saying they did it right. They had a person when you come in and a person when you leave. Now that the mall's open and you go to Macy's, you know, somebody wants to go buy shoes. Mike bought shoes this week. I did. I did. I ordered them online and then I went, picked them up and left. But you went into the store. Baby steps. Very, very quickly. Baby yes. steps. Baby well, steps. it's good to know that Mike and Eric are getting their grain intake during COVID. <laughs> we are. I, we're getting our, well, I got some wine this week. And then every Saturday I go down to Erie Aleworks and, and I get my little growler filled. Yes, fruits and grains. We're, we're fine. Fantastic. We got a survey going on. Are we talking about that? Yeah, let's talk about our survey. Okay, so uh, as Erica said, you know, some people are venturing out there. That's great. Please keep others in mind as you do that. Like Erica, I wish everyone kept uh, people half as much in mind as you do with wanting to hand out masks to other people. I just get really pissed. It's just like, it's a way for me to calm myself down (laughs) because I get angry. It's passive aggressive kindness. Acts That's of kindness. Right. Exactly. Here's your fucking mask. <laughs> I'm concerned for your health. <laughs> Asshole. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we we used to have a dinner and a movie series uh, called Film Grain Dinner and a Movie, and we hope that someday we will be able to return in some way, shape, or form uh, with our great partners at the Bourbon Barrel. So we have a survey. The URL is tinyurl.com slash covidfilmgrain. We will be posting about this and sending it out in our newsletters. If you haven't seen it already, subscribe and you will see it. But we just want to get the temperature, no pun intended, or perhaps pun intended, uh, (laughs) of our subscribers to find out you know, what type of person you are, what headspace you're in, in this situation. And probably it would be a good idea, guys, to uh, send this one out at the beginning and then maybe in a month or two and see if people have uh, started to change their thoughts a bit and see how that goes. So that's all I think we'll cover with that for now. Yeah, yeah. Answer our one question survey. Mm -hmm. One question. Who are you? Who are you? So How would you meantime, categorize yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we have Film Under Quarantine, which is our new virtual theater series for our new two-month-old reality. We're working with Art House distributors to create a lineup of the latest documentary, international, and independent films, each with a panel discussion. Tickets for Film Under Quarantine are available on our website, filmsocietynwpa.org, and our Facebook page, um, this week's film is at a drastic discount. 
it's only $3.99 as opposed Ooh. to our usual $12. Now, unfortunately, that means that the Film Society is only getting $1.98. Yeah, $1.98 yeah. <laughs> per yeah. sale. But, um, you know, we would really love for you to join us and talk about this film. As Erica mentioned, um, Wednesday at 8 p.m., we're going to have uh, a virtual discussion via Zoom um, with us, your hosts at mm -hmm. Film Grain, the Film Grain podcast. And if you, you can, enjoy our commentary on movies, just wait. We'll have plenty of opinions about this one. You're going to love it. So, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity to support the Film Society, stay connected with the film community here in Erie. So Spaceship Earth is a new documentary from Neon, the rising star boutique distributor who last year brought us Oscar winner Parasite and in my opinion, should have been Oscar winner, if I have any say in the matter, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Love Spaceship it. Earth is the true, stranger than fiction, adventure of eight visionaries who in 1991 spent two years quarantined, sound familiar? Yep. Inside a self-engineered replica of Earth's ecosystem that was called Biosphere 2. The experiment was a worldwide phenomenon chronicling daily existence in the face of life-threatening ecological disaster and a growing criticism that it was nothing more than a cult. The bizarre story is a cautionary tale and a hopeful lesson of how a small group of dreamers can potentially reimagine a new world. All right. I so think that's, that's happening everywhere right now, right? Yeah, it's such a timely movie and um, Kudos to Neon for, for partnering with us and uh, setting this up. And then looking ahead, May 27th, we've got a great new indie called St. Francis, which I really found to be something special. It's a dramedy about a flailing 34-year-old woman who finally meets a nice guy and lands a much-needed nannying job. Uh, with a six-year-old named Francis, but as it always manages to do, life throws her an unexpected complication. In addition to Francis's moms having their own struggles, it's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I loved it, and I hope you purchase your ticket for that as well. Should we make I, mention? I can't. About I cannot Francis? wait. I can't wait to watch that. Uh, they all sound really, really good to me. Like John said. We're not going to make a lot of money on the uh, Starship Earth, but it's still worth it. We are a nonprofit organization. We, we actually really rely on our program income. We have come to, to do so. We don't really, we don't ask for donations a lot, and we should, probably should a little bit more often. But I will use this opportunity to ask you, if you listen to Film Grain, and if you really like what we're doing, please consider supporting us. You can donate. It's pretty easy. You go to our website. You can scroll down to the bottom. We have a donate button. Donate to us online through PayPal, or you can send us a check. We are at P.O. Box 3260, Erie, Pennsylvania, 16508. We invite you to continue to engage with us, whether you make a donation or not. We are going to terminate our Film Under Quarantine series at the end of May. Um, 
sometimes you try things and they don't necessarily work out and that's okay. This is a new time, an experimental time for all of us. Um, Film Under Quarantine was a really great idea. We gave it a shot. We still have access to our relationships with a lot of the uh, distributors that we've worked with in the past. You know, it's a whole new landscape right now um, of when and where new releases are coming out with the big studios or with small indies. And because of those relationships, we're going to bring as much as we can to you. So far, Film Under Quarantine hasn't really caught on. And that's okay. But that means your donation means more than ever. Yeah, for sure. And we have, uh, for those of you who missed our any of our Film Under Quarantines, we do have our panel discussions out there on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. And I would say the discussions have really been great, even though our numbers of attendees have been low. Um, we've had some really good discussions. I mean, whether it was, you know, learning and sharing through Earth um, and Slay the Dragon or us tearing apart the Whistlers, um, which by the way, Mark (laughs) Mark Kermode, who is one of my favorite critics, modern critics, loved the film. You guys should look up (laughs) what his reaction was to it. And I'm like, really? Really, um, man? Did you watch it? But anyways, yeah. So as Erica said, you know, I hope that, um, I hope we don't have to bring back film under quarantine and we don't have to have a round two of it, but who knows? But for now, um, yeah, we're wrapping it at the end of May and we'll see where we go from there. I think that if you're listening to our podcast now, you'll continue to listen. We're going to invite more and more people to watch on their own time, watch stuff that they can stream through their services, and we'll continue to talk about it. And I think we'll continue to invite some of our fans onto the podcast and hear what they have to say. So there's a lot we can do. We are really committed to supporting Northwestern Pennsylvania with the opportunity to watch something new, engage with people, to talk about film. Uh, We're really proud to be that organization here. So stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook. We'll send out emails about everything we do. And thank you. Jesse, what have you been up to? My sister came up for a visit and on the way she was like, you know, we should shoot something while I'm here. And that's exactly what we did. So the choices were we film a comedy in my messy apartment or we film a horror in my spooky attic because those were the only two locations we had access to. We decided to go with a horror and I wrote a script in like a day, just two pages, something we could shoot all in one evening. Uh, I did spend about a week before she came like dressing, like it was kind of a mess up there. So moved all the clutter, did a little set design. Luckily I had a, a decent amount of gear here at my house. Um, however, we we just used what we had. We didn't buy anything. We didn't employ any crew. Uh, it was really just running gun, do it yourself. So any of you creatives out there, I would encourage you to just say, what can I do in the space I have? Even if you don't have a camera, you have a decent cell phone, most of those have cameras. Uh, There's tons of tutorials on how to do decent lighting and sound with what you have. You know, experiment. Can you share with us a couple tips? Like, I'm interested in sound. Um, Did you guys have minimal dialogue then in your 
in your script or do you have a lot of dialogue? There, there is some dialogue. However, um, it's, it's dialogue that will most likely need effects added to it anyway. So I will, I will probably end up dubbing those in. Um, I did have one um, shotgun mic on my camera to just kind of pick up the room. Um, if you have any kind of external mic that you can either, that has its own recorder or that you can just hook into your phone, um, that will usually be vastly improved over just using like the microphone that's built into a camera. So even if you have like a very basic webcam mic or some any kind of mic that you can just plug into a recorder will help if you're looking for good sound. And we can expect to see this uh, publicly sometime? Yeah, I have to do some pickup stuff um, because I, I roped my brother into being the other actor because <laughs> he's also in town. And originally I was going to try and shoot it and be in it. And I was like, hey man, you're gonna be in this movie and didn't really give him an option. Uh, but I have to get one more scene with him and I will share probably on social media. Yeah. It'll, the finished film will probably be a, one to two minutes. What did, what did you shoot on Jesse? I shot on a Panasonic GH5. Oh, oh nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It actually came out really good. Yeah. That's a nice. I, the, well done, I sir. Those things are great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, kudos to you for filming something. I think we're going to see a lot of cool creative work coming out of the, the stay-at-home orders, the quarantine. I hope so. I hope you've inspired more people from our region to do the same, Jesse. And if anybody has, please let us know. We'd love to have you on to talk about it. Or if you need help, more help on how to, to get everything filmed with limited resources, you can always reach out to the Greater Erie Film Office. Plug. That's a good plug. A little plug. That's a good plug. <laughs> So um, I'm convinced that we're living in Blade Runner, minus the flying cars. <laughs> Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook or have access to the news, um, there was a strip club in Portland, Oregon called Lucky Devil Lounge. And uh, there were there were <laughs> Tell me more, John. Tell me more. <laughs> you piqued my interest. <laughs> there were there were photos um, done by Reuters. A photographer was uh, Terry Sylvester. So this <laughs> um, this location, you know, hurting for business. So what they're doing is uh, delivery. Um, so the 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 um, you know the strippers will come to your house and and deliver and do a little little dance for you there in the hallway or. You can do drive-through, um, and they have this whole drive-through set. Basically, they've taken, I think it's their parking lot, um, and it's all lit in neon colors. So if you've seen Blade Runner 2049, yes, um, the scene where Ryan Gosling is outside, and there's the huge, um, uh, what's her name, Anna, what's the actress's name that was in Knives Out, and Anna Almaris or something like that? Yeah, she's she's the hot artist now. That's She's going to be in all <laughs> kinds of movies. She's playing Marilyn Monroe in um, a movie here pretty soon, which is an she interesting is. choice. Yeah, so anyways, if you think of the lighting and the color scheme of that scene, you know, it's high on um, pinks and purples and blues and stuff like that. That's 
the lighting is an exact match and you have these women with like uh, old school gas masks on um, stripping on poles and the photography I thought was great um, so keep that in mind that was one 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 thing <laughs> well I think it's about time we can get our erotic dances on the go that's right <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was also, just... you have a great deal of privacy in your car. I think that um, that might appeal to some people. Yeah, so the idea is they're dancing and then you can get your food there too. Then they'll hand you a brown bag of your nice. food that you've ordered. Mm, do they cook it? In a little show. I'm not sure. Um, so the other thing is that it was just announced um, on Variety that uh, CAA just signed the first digital avatar, um, her name is Michaela, M-I-Q-U-E-L-A, uh, as their first virtual client. And she So this is a completely computer generated? Completely that... computer generated. She has 2.2 million followers um, on Instagram. She's complete, she's a freckle-faced CGI generated teen robot um, oh my god she's also a musical artist lil michaela lil michaela is what she goes by as well um so i thought that this was very interesting um she's already sponsored she sponsors um our samsung product calvin klein and youtube uh, already have brand partnerships with her um, she's considered a Generation Z tastemaker. Um, and wow. again, CAA is, uh, as you all know, like a, a big agency. And this is the first virtual star to sign wow. the CAA. This is amazing. You know what it reminds me of, John, is Robin Wright in the Congress. Congress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I think we need to watch the Congress again. It is so That's relevant, a, scary. It's so Guys, relevant. This is like an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Oh, it is. So, so you think we're living in Blade Runner 2020? I think it's good. Minus the flying cars. It's about time. I think we're going to have some replicants running around pretty soon and... Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you got to take it back to the source material, though. I mean, pretty soon we're going to have uh, ro robotic animals and uh, electric right. sheep. Electric sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Think, right. of, think of devs. Think of a lot of the stuff that we're watching uh, lately. It's really interesting how uh, uh, children and men, right? Think of all the science fiction yeah. that's coming out and we're watching. And, you know, sometimes these things uh, can just go by. Um, but, I mean, yeah, this person has two, two point two million followers on on Instagram. So Ooh. apparently, none of us have been following her, but uh, <laughs> I guess I haven't. Yeah, maybe I a, need to now. She is a money maker. What is your guys's initial reaction to this? But is it? It's it's all programmed, like what she does, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then it's just a character. It's not. I mean, it's going to lead to more, but it's, it's not a character. She can she can play different roles, sure. But a human has to program her to do that. But she uh, can do it perfectly. The company, so the company that owns her is called Brud 
B-R-U-D. And they were asked, is Michaela real? And their answer was oh as real as Rihanna. <laughs> That's a good answer. That is a pretty good answer. Yeah. I think I mean, it's it's something we can't avoid. If it's not her, it would have been a different program. Like it's happening. It's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So let's not well, yeah, I mean, let's not be scared of it. Look at what they're it. doing to all of the Disney movies, all of these animated movies, and even like the Call of the Wild and stuff. You make a CG animal and it can do exactly what you want it to you can't rely on humans i mean a human take could take i don't know what do they say like brando or de niro they take like a (laughs) hundred takes to get it perfect or something if you have a computer generated you you save a lot of time i think of it like this uh think about the problem with something like monsanto where it's just like you have one strain of corn across america and stuff like that and it's just like it's actually a problem now that we don't have diversity in our corn. And yeah. I think ultimately what you could end up running into a problem, you know, and this is hopefully decades down the road and stuff like that. It's just like, we might start running into a void of original voices. Yeah. And, and I can totally see that because so many people are addicted to trends and fads and what's popular yeah. that everyone's going to want to look like her. And yeah. then we all will look the same. There'll be right. the perfect man model and the perfect woman model. And that's what everyone will buy. I mean, have you guys seen too um, that the Mandalorian has went back into production? And have you looked into the whole LED full video, pretty much 360 environment walls that they can shoot in? No. Wow. So, okay, maybe we should cover that in the next episode. And I'll, and Is that I'll... in the documentary that just came out about it? I'm not sure. But look up, look up the LED. It's using the Unreal game engine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this would actually so be good to talk about. For like the week. back, I yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's think pretty- about you've got Michaela taking care of actors. Then you've got a full LED wall taking care of um, Your set design. Set design. Uh, think of that for a little. Just bit. let the computers make the movie. <laughs> So next episode, there will be a whole guys... there will be a whole different meaning to classic films. Right. Well, because right now they're saying, as far as with social distancing, you know, those, and again, it comes back to okay, well, huge huge Hollywood studios can get back to production sooner than the small independents and stuff that need to follow all the guidelines. Whereas if you're the Mandalorian, you can just have you and your operator and a couple other people, and it's lit. Because the LED does like basically, um, you know, location lighting for you. Um, So it's interesting if you have millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's going to be called organic filmmaking. (laughs) (laughs) And we will no longer be the organic element. No. That's right. It'll be clean and, and perfect and untouched will be the organic filmmaking. This has sci-fi written all over it. <laughs> yeah. So mark mark the mark the calendar. Twenty twenty, our first virtual performer signs signs her contract. Michaela, Lil Michaela, Mike. Maybe you guys will interview her on Music Choice. I would not be surprised, actually.
this week um, we're going to be talking about a serious man and we picked it because our friend Spencer mentioned it on a Facebook thread that we put out asking people what they watch. So when he mentioned it, we had a little discussion. We decided to pick it. So everyone help me welcome Spencer Myers. Welcome Spencer. You welcome. Hi. Thank Tell you. us a little bit about yourself. I'm Spencer Myers. I've only been in Erie for about two years, but uh, I immediately loved the idea of what was happening at the bourbon barrel with those films you guys were putting on. I got the chance to see Burning there, um, and that's when I started following your page. I'm an English grad student, and I love stories, and I love uh, thinking about what makes them tick. So I'm excited to talk about what makes a serious man work. Let's get started. Let's talk about a serious man. Let's get serious. Okay. <laughs> serious about a serious man. Do you guys want me to just take it from here? Sure. What's it all, all right. about? Uh, serious Man, Ethan and Joel Cohen's 2009 entry to their canon uh, stars Michael Stolberg as Larry Gopnik. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And uh, let's just say that things in Larry's life are not going correctly. Uh, his wife is leaving him for a, uh, how would you describe Sai? Sai is a... <laughs> he touches people too much. He's an overly he's touchy talker. person. He's a close talker. Close he's a close talker. talker. He's close talker. as hell. Uh, Larry's kids have a trouble, trouble with his authority. Uh, Larry is also a professor at a university, and he is up for tenure, but that is in a tenuous position. And uh, he is in general disarray in his current standing in life. Jesse, you mentioned something before we started recording that uh, we could just reference the Book of Job, and that's, a, I think, apt, and I think that there is definitely um, an intention there. And uh, I'm ready to open this up to the panel. The Cone brothers have a lot of different gears that they shift to. And this is an interesting one. I, I when I was talking to Erica earlier, this is a this film reminds me a lot of Barton Fink. Also has some tones of Inside Lewin Davis. And uh, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. And uh, I liked it more the second time that I've actually watched it. But I, I've been a little bit more versed in uh, Cone mythology since then. The film is set in Minnesota where Cone brothers actually grew up. So there is a little bit of biographical information and uh, sort of context there to begin with. Spencer, so, I'm curious, had you seen um, A Serious Man before and were revisiting it? Or was this your first time? Yeah, so I, I first saw it when I was 17, I think, in high school. Um, and so I listened to a couple episodes uh, of this podcast before. Uh, being on it and you John said you didn't like it and maybe you'd like it when you got a little bit older and that just reaffirms that I was born an old man and I've, always, <laughs> I've always been an old man because I loved it when I was 17 and I still love it yeah it's, it's, I think this is my this is my third time watching it I think and it's hit me different each, each time oh that's interesting I mean watching for me if I watched it as a 17 year old I would have just I, I don't think I would have grasped it at all. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. You know, I, when I was 17, I was really into Titanic. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if I would have really grasped it, but I watched it for the first time today and I watched it in a conference room. So I feel like that kind of made it a little bit more academic for me. Um, I actually took, yep. I, I took notes. I took notes to me, the overall like theme of this movie is what's going on you hear um larry say it a lot you hear his wife say it um what's going on here like the action is happening to larry 
You know, he's not in control. It seems like he is not in control of anything that's going on. He's just walking around like, what's going on? And everything happens to him. It starts off with his wife who announces she wants a divorce, which requires a get, which in the Jewish, Jewish faith is a, is a religious divorce. It's a ceremony to end a marriage in order for her to marry Cy Edelman, the close talker. <laughs> um, and he also wears like like a monochrome golf outfit, like in light blue. So it just kind of gives you an idea of his personality, the way that he likes to um, touch Larry's face, you know, when he's talking to him. He, he's an interesting guy. But I mean, that's really what I came away with. There's so much that happens, but it's all, but he's a very passive protagonist as mike said earlier we were talking about it and uh like you said about lewin davis and um, i've never seen barton fink but being that passive protagonist things just keep happening and he's like mm, i guess i'm you know i'm just kind of rolling along here and then the only time he's actually doing something that is like his you know he's he's dreaming he's having these dreams and that's where he's kind of finding a little bit of power where he ends up, you know, underneath the neighbor woman uh, and, um, and helps his brother escape, you know, his, his problems. It's a rough time for him, you know? And I think he, he kind of makes it through because he has this resilience of just, it's almost like things just happen and he just lets it go over him. I mean, Mike, I'm surprised you haven't brought up that he's turning to religion or he keeps trying to turn to his Jewish faith to get support and it's not really working. He, he churns through a number of rabbis and he just can't get help. So he's just kind of like, I guess, I guess I'm. Well, I have some thoughts, but I want to open this up to allow Spencer here uh, to give us uh, his interpretation. And uh, you know, Spencer, add to the conversation, please. Uh, well, it's interesting you mentioned Barton Fink and Inside Lewin Davis, because yeah, they, they do work as a, as a trio, but Barton Fink and Lewin Davis are both artists. Uh, that's that's mm. so central to it is that they have this art to go back to, and uh, Gopnik's a mathematician and he goes back to religion. And um, when he has that conversation with the one student that tries to bribe him, um, he says you don't understand. The, <laughs> yeah, he says you don't understand the math, and the student says, but I understand the story. And he right. said, well, it's, the story just illustrates something. Even I don't understand the story. So it's a one of the rare pieces of actual information you get out of the the movie that that you can kind of grab onto where he's admitting that he, he, he can't feel out a story. Things have yeah. to connect so much. They have to be a proof like in math and none of this is, proves anything. That's the whole right. point. It doesn't, it doesn't connect. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak to the, to the Jewish faith so much, but I think it does connect to um, these Old Testament stories like Job or Abraham and Isaac where sometimes you kind of just go, so that's how it ends? It just kind of ends? You go, yeah. Right. Just kinda, he, decide, he decides not to kill Isaac. You're like, oh, okay. You're not quite sure. It just ends. Mm -hmm. Which well, is like his story when he's when he's gone to the the lawyer and he's telling him the story about the teeth. Like oh, the, the rabbi, the orthodox. The rabbi, yeah. yes, and he's talking about how he had like some Hebrew text on the back of his teeth, and Larry keeps asking, "Well, then what? Like, what's the end of the story?" Eh, it's not important. Like, there's really no end to the story. Okay, why'd you tell me? <laughs> but I do think that there, it's not necessarily the end of the story. And, you know, spoiler alert if nobody's seen it and stuff like that. But there is a very ominous uh, sort of foreboding conclusion 
to a serious man to the movie. And uh, it's the whole story itself is Coen Brothers, who I unabashedly love so much. And uh, uh, they, uh, they take a very different approach in some respects in this one, because I feel like in some respects that they are the, they're kind of the Old Testament God almost screwing with Larry in the movie on some level. And uh, I, I do wonder, it, it'd be interesting to, you know, sort of see a Q&A with them, but like how much they were really reflecting upon their uh, upbringing in Minnesota and how much they were really pulling from that or uh, uh, personal stories and stuff like that. And Obviously, they are the son. They are the son, Danny. I don't they're know. They're just they're just smoking they pot and like having to get bar mitzvah. Like that's all. Their <laughs> their biggest problem is the TV coming in clear, fixing the antenna, which is the only thing Danny ever talks to his dad about. Dad, get up there. I can't get channel two. That's smoking pot and practicing Hebrew for his bar mitzvah. That's his all one he cares friend about. does have very proficient use of the F word. That's right. <laughs> For 13-year-old kids, <laughs> he definitely, give me some of that. Like what does he say? Every third word. Yeah, every third word. <laughs> I also want to mention uh, Roger Deakins. Uh, he was a cinematographer for uh, the film. And uh, he does something very interesting that second time watching it that I noticed now and I, did, I didn't catch the first time. Uh, he plays with really the dimension of space. You feel, if you actually watch the film, you feel pretty closed in the way that, that Larry is feeling closed in, in the very small homes in his office. There's a sort of a moment, a, sh a tonal shift in the film when he goes up to fix the antenna, when all of a sudden he's on top of the roof and the world, it, like everything suddenly opens up and Granted, that's when he sees the uh, his uh, neighbor sunbathing, uh, but Roger Deakins sunbathing was... nude. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> I love the houses, by the way. I loved that neighborhood. Um, that is totally like the, you know, oh, th those homes. I did like, like homes like scissorhands. It, it's yes. like an American Gothic, like suburban nightmare to them, though. You know yeah. that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, Danny just heard in like any sort of admiration. I love how the neighbors were straight up racists and came out and saw the Korean dad standing there, and they're like, "Are you under? Are you okay? Right." Yeah, Do you need assistance? And he's here. like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm talking to this man. The, and his dream, there's the, another Jew. They indicate their racism with really just, they do a lot with a little with that for sure. Mm -hmm. And because mm -hmm. you can tell at first how he's slightly, he has uh, sentiments, prejudice against uh, Larry, mm -hmm. but then yeah. you can instantly get a read on his on his list of where the racist, where his racism lies when he chooses yeah. Larry over the Korean then. He has yep. this, this list obviously in his head and, mm -hmm. and Larry's one step above for whatever his thing is. Well, historically this would have been like right after the Korean War. It was yeah. 1967. Oh, that's yeah. Exactly. All right. No, oh, they're not right right after, you're right, okay. But We're, we yeah. would have been a nom. And yeah. he doesn't need it. He does, yeah, he definitely didn't need it at that point. He was going to hate on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. The hierarchy, it's because it's hilarious. You think that there's going to be an issue, and then he comes in defense of Larry. It's just like, it's like oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So I'm, John, yeah. what do you think? I love films and shows that tackle, like, you know, existential questions, and I love a good parable. I got I to say, decade more of life experience. 
Um, and I guess this film is just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not compelling to me in any sort of manner. I feel like it's like more of a mature, like mumblecore, uh, type of movie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I actually agree with you. I didn't like it. There were all these little charming pieces of it, but all together, it just was, it didn't feel like there was anything cohesive. I wasn't really rooting for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the, you know, I was trying to, like, I read up a bit, like, why do people love it? And, um, you know, it's it's the Job story. It's, um, you know, the humor of the Jewish commentary going on. And even though I grew up, uh, you know, Protestant, but I did go to church, like, through grade school. I was in the youth group. I sang in the choir. So, like, I'm familiar with the moral teachings and... Um, you know, I connect to like a spiritual level of other stories, but this one, I, I, I was checking the clock, like, I don't know, for me, you know, I'm used to slow movies. I watch a lot of slow movies. I'm about to watch um, Fassbender's, uh, uh, what's it called? Berlin Alexander Plots. It's like 18 hours long. No, not Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Not, Ma oh. not Michael Fassbender. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, so like more Fassbender. I, I just something. Um, yeah, I I just uh, and I can even watch stories that don't have answers. Like the second rabbi says, you guys are kind of speaking to this. Like, um, you know, I uh, have a lot of questions, but no, some there's no answers. Um, so I. I get all of that. The most interesting part to me in the whole movie is the prologue and maybe the epilogue. In the middle, I just uh, I just don't care. It's <laughs> a story about a limp noodle suffering in slow motion uh, does, does, not, does not move me. I know. <laughs> so, I never really sorry. felt bad for him. I never really felt bad for him. And so Jesse, you gotta you gotta be the tiebreaker. <laughs> well, I had never seen it and knew nothing about it, but I kind of felt like I knew where it was going after like 20 minutes. I was like, this guy is just going to get run over. Mm -hmm. And when I came to that realization, I was like, well, there's got to be something that happens at the end. And I didn't feel like there was like, there wasn't a strong enough resolution to leave you with anything at the end of the film. I did pick up on the, the Job themes right away. The difference though in, in the Job story is that his uh, faith is rewarded. And in this, they like purposefully left it open-ended because he's changing the grade and then he gets the phone call about his health and you don't know like, was God striking him <laughs> down right there? Uh -huh. uh, and then the storm yeah. cloud coming at the school, that's like straight out of the Bible. That's, that's how God comes to talk to Job in the, in the Bible. There was some good cinematography, some really good editing, and there were some funny moments, like um, the guy from Big Bang Theory that was the junior rabbi. Parking lot. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was just so, I, I would love to see him in more like well-written humor comedies, mm -hmm. not Big Bang Theory. And um, Was that really the guy from Big Bang Theory? Yes. I didn't recognize him mm -hmm. at all. He's all clean cut. Mm -hmm. But also the the bar mitzvah scene when the guy, <laughs> the guy holds up the Torah and he's like 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I thought that was so, so funny. Because <laughs> he's tripping out and he's like right. not handling anything well. And then there's yeah. that that guy trying to do that. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you're talking about funny things related to that, the, his daughter, the first thing you see in the movie is her trying to get into the bathroom and she's like, Jesus Christ, you know? Right. So she's, she's kind of using that, uh, using that, um, that phrase. And then she's trying to get into the bathroom because her uncle is in there draining his cyst. And that is so gross, yeah. but it's also so funny throughout this movie that the uncle's always got a patch on his neck or he's got a suction tube sticking out of it to drain a cyst. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I felt like uh, commenting to that, uh, some of the characters felt like just such simple like archetypes. They just didn't feel like real human, living, breathing human human beings to me. Like the, the you know, the daughter you're just talking about. And um, I don't know who the niche is for this film. <laughs> we were talking about that last week. Well, I guess it's okay. put upon Jewish men. It, it's, I mean, this is a really... Put upon Jewish men. I'm going to It's Mike that. and Spencer. And it many, people, many people love this movie. A lot of people sure. love this movie. There is a pretty, like, the film does hit a lot of, like, how should I say, uh, Jewish uh, chords. Uh, there is something very, you know, I grew up in a Jewish household. Mike and, is a Jew, guys. Yeah, and there, <laughs> it is, like, there is a lot of fatalism a lot of times, and... Uh, and uh, the whole film definitely sort of catches that tone correctly, or like that. I mean, Erica, you've had dinner now and Seder at my house before, and so you can mm -hmm. see the way that we I've talk. been to the bat mitzvahs. I've yeah. The the Manischewitz can be uh, the glass can be half empty a lot of times. It's a nice way of putting it. And, yeah, I mean, I I get all of that. I've seen it done so much better. I feel like in so many movies, I just don't get the appeal to this one. Like, it's done kind of in that style of, <laughs> of suffering. And I don't know if the audience needs to go, go through the same, same exact situation. They <laughs> really want you to feel it, John. I felt it. I did feel it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, uh, I'm, well, here's I'm glad I don't have this, here's this a question. point of view. So, John, to you, and it, it is open to the, the group. Larry is not a sympathetic character. Jesse? No, I don't think so. I'm grateful that I'm not caught in Larry's type of midlife rudderless hell. <laughs> I wouldn't say he goes through a change either. No, I wouldn't say there's any mm -mm. growth at all. Other but than he's, he's willing just, now to take a bribe. He's still just blown by the wind and now the tornado's coming in. That's really gonna give him a good blow. Mm -hmm. but like, a lot of uh, sorry uh, before we uh, before I go to the next questions, uh, Spencer, do you do you find Larry to be sympathetic? I'm a I'm a sucker for brother relationships in any movie. Uh, yeah. I think the movie I, I don't know how much we care about spoilers, but I think that Spoiler. dream where they're uh, when the uh, brother's going off to Canada and he gets shot. I think I we could have done without that. <laughs> and I also think there's some just little things like when the the real estate lawyer croaks it. Like they take it a little bit too much. They could have. They could have used a little bit of. Uh, they could have held back restraint. a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. a little bit of restraint. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm a sucker for that brother relationship, and that makes me feel for him. Um, and that makes me feel for them. There's a little bit of something. And when he's with the lawyer, 
I th and I love Michael Stuhlberg so much, and I, I feel like I might bring, be bringing in some just previous, like I love him and Call Me by Your Name, and just I love him in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah, bringing so my, great. yeah, my sentiment towards him into the movie too. So uh, th that might be affecting it. I like that he doesn't learn anything. I think people say that like No Country for Old Men is is an anti-Western, and that it, it doesn't show you the heroic death. It doesn't show you the valor that westerns do and this is like the anti new lease on life movie like akiru or, or, or something where someone later in life figures something out and then changes i think mm. this is kind of a their way of portraying what it might actually be like which is you just keep doing the same thing no very well put very well put i agree yeah one thing i noticed john you liked the preamble the the prologue yeah um I thought that I I was waiting for that to come back some way, um, but then I realized that also the rabbi that tells him like it's just the stories you know you learn from the stories over time and I was hoping that that would like tie back or you don't <laughs> or you don't exactly but but what really happened in that prologue I mean she's like you you cursed our house by bringing a ghost in here and then she stabs the ghost and she's like you know good riddance but one thing i noticed in the in the story she comes in and she's got this big pail of ice and she's got the ice chipper she's like you said you were gonna help me with this ice you know in yiddish and she's like slamming this bucket of ice if you look at every single scene in which they are drinking you see the ice in the glass. Why that's important, I have no idea, but I happen to just notice it because it's sticking up in every glass when they're sitting at the dinner table. The ice is like, which ice doesn't do, you know? But they made a point to show the ice sticking in the glass. So that might've been one of the only things that came from that <laughs> prologue. I think the whole movie is a reaction to that prologue. I mean, yeah, like, go, go ahead. I, uh, my understanding, or uh, the way that I read it, I could have totally misread this wrong. This As time. the Jewish expert, Mike should answer, <laughs> answer right, this right. question. But, uh, that I thought, I thought that they were uh, blood relatives, like long, like, and it was just a, almost like a long curse. It's interesting what you said, Erica, about showing the ice in all the shots. I didn't, I didn't realize that at all. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I don't know why I picked it up, but. I think you're I right. I just happened to see it because it. it oh, was I'm so sure it was prominent. done on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say the ice pick was in a lot of scenes. It's actually the hidden weapon that Larry has. Mm -hmm. No, you're right, though. That I think that there probably is that intentional. The movie. Yeah, overall, I think that he's really just kind of saying, like, what's going on, everybody? You know, let this let this action happen to me. Even the phone call at the end that he gets from his doctor, he's just, here it is, and the next thing that's going to happen. He didn't even look that concerned about it. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't seem that excited that he got his tenure, you know? I right. guess that's a spoiler. But, you know, and even, like, he gets the, he gets in the car accident, and you just don't even, like, there's no consequence to it for him, you he know? He up on the Columbia Records guy. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I, I know nothing about Santana Abraxas. I was in a terrible <laughs> <audio> <laughs> Okay, which you guys 
how, did you get into the Columbia House CD oh, yeah. and scheme? BMG. I, BMG, yeah, I totally Columbia did. Yeah, yeah. I totally did. Jesse's too young. Jesse doesn't know what this is. What Jesse you're talking about. He has no idea what the fuck. This is this is what he's referring to. That I know there's a teenagers would go into debt because they were signing up for these CD programs where you would get 10 free CDs. And then after that, you get a CD every month that you're supposed to pay for. So before you know it, you're getting phone calls of like the Columbia house people saying you owe $60. I'm like, How do I, I'm like 16. I don't owe you any money. So those yep. were the early day subscription schemes. Yeah. That's yes. right. Back to but, the curse thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Oddly enough, that really opened me up to a lot of music I wouldn't know. For sure. You know, like David Bowie's greatest hits. I got that through Columbia House and one of my favorite albums when I was younger. So is it worth 60 bucks? Eh, maybe. As an adult, yeah, it's nothing. I was just going to say, I just watched that episode of What We Do in the Shadows where he's wearing the cursed uh, flesh hat. <laughs> yeah. and i just just want to say as far as the curse in this movie man just give that hat away guys you just gotta you just gotta move on give that hat away that's i all, love the i love the the circle of the movie starts with danny in class listening to jefferson airplane and his little hidden you know walkman if you will and Ha he loses it to the teacher. It has the money that he owes Farber, the kid that in his neighborhood that can't, that he runs from after school every day and he outruns him because Farber's a little overweight. Um, throughout the whole movie, he owes this kid the money and he doesn't have his, his Walkman. And but then at the that end- felt like fake. It felt like fake to me, that, that story too. Oh, like see, I, I- Terrible. That- that was kind of a nice little tight story. It For starts sure, off. but that kid could have beat the shit out of him after class, before class, in the hallway. I just don't understand. I just don't understand well, so much of it. I don't take it see, literally. <laughs> it's odd because that was the one thing that I followed, and I was like, "That's just so funny." Because it's this little story in the background. You yeah. almost never really see Farber. You just see Danny running home every day, and you know what he's doing. He's trying to get away from this guy that he owes twenty bucks to, <laughs> and that he like. This, this enigma of uh, the last rabbi who's right. as old as dirt and <laughs> he doesn't pastor anymore. All he does is see the boys and girls when they come through for their bat mitzvah or their bar mitzvah and he sits down with, with him and he just recites the lyrics to Jefferson Airplane and he slides his Walkman back over and says Grace Slick is, you know, amazing, and mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, and I then be a good boy. Bye. Film was just find someone to love and be a good boy. Yeah. I, I grew up with I grew up with a dad that would always read the obits and always just kind of talk about people, the dates when people were born and when they die and wow. uh, and like uh, this, uh, you think about the rabbi and like when he was born, he was probably born in like 1870 and like Dostoevsky was still around. In it. And, then when <laughs> yeah. he, and then when he's talking to this guy, this kid, he's listening to uh, Jefferson Airplane and just and his, his office is full of all those trinkets and all those mm -hmm. old scientific implements. Really? You know how long he's been around. Terrifying paintings. Like, why would he care about anything? He's just been, he's angry probably. He just doesn't know. <laughs> Nothing makes sense.
Well, he's also so old that he's probably so wise and really he stopped caring long ago that he's like, I'm just going to throw Jefferson airplane out there and see how this kid reacts. I know he's going to like it. It was like Dumbledore's office, except he couldn't, like he didn't even have the spark of Dumbledore, but there was something very cute about him. I liked that it kind of ended up with him. Or he's just seen so much that he understands the absurdity of life and that you're going to have to go with the flow. Yep. Yep. I'm with you on that one. At least Jefferson Airplane gave him something something new. Yeah. (laughs) John, you think that the Coen Brothers films are to be, like, I don't ever watch the Coen Brothers and think literal interpretation. I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) It's a hard, ever since the beginning, they have always gone more of like, their right. style is so uh, exaggerated and hyperbole and stuff like that, and sometimes surreal. Uh, I think their Netflix movie was the first time that they obviously fully embraced that. Which um, one was that? Was the that Ballad the Buster? Of Buster Scruggs? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question, Mike. You mean, I, I think because personally, I always think Raising Arizona is like almost like it's almost like a Raising Arizona is almost like its own folklore of sorts just set in some sort of weird alternate reality yeah it's interesting what you're you both are saying about like i don't know i haven't watched i have i own a few of their films i need to uh maybe revisit with this uh frame of mind it's like oh brother where art thou right i mean that's probably yeah that's one of my favorites too so they do really hit it out of the park sometimes but yeah i mean I think all of their movies are great. Just for some reason, this one, this this one, really. I mean, I don't yeah. know if I can think of another one that I don't like. Well, Inside Lewin Davis is another favorite of mine, purely because he's so cute. He plays a guitar and he has like, he's like chasing the cat the entire movie. Erica, did you not fall asleep at all during A Serious Man because you're in a remote location? Uh, I It was about 9 a.m. I was at the conference table at Radius watching. So no, I did not fall asleep. So honestly, if I had been watching this at home and it was 10 p.m., I would have definitely fallen asleep. I was gonna say, otherwise we've got you down to a formula of staying awake, movie's not good. It seems like the most illogical, or if she falls asleep, she likes the movie. (laughs) Shush, 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 John. I, I don't think that's true at all. It's true. It's true. It's not true. I didn't fall asleep during a ghost story. That held my attention. I didn't like it. That put me to sleep. It was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we weren't, Dr. Sleep was not one that I needed to comment on for a podcast. Okay. That was, that was a side hustle. You fell asleep during that? I did. did. Remember we talked about oh, this. Oh yeah. She fell yeah. asleep during everything. Mike said he, he she fell asleep <laughs> during the whole overlook. Well, this was I mean, you know, I would say we definitely had a serious discussion about a serious man. So I appreciate Absolutely. the recommendation. I wish yes, I would have liked it more. Thank you, Spencer. Yeah. Yes, no thank you very much, Spencer. Um, maybe we'll have you back sometime. So Keep talking to us about what you're watching and uh, we'll certainly okay. consider. Yeah. And and thus concludes my my guest spot. Freedom! Thus concludes your guest spot. 
It was right. wonderful. Freedom. Thank you so much for having me. Thank all you, right. Spencer. Thank Thanks, you. Spencer. It was great. Nice yep. meeting you. Nice meeting all of you. Bye. See you in real life. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, one thing we didn't talk about, A Serious Man, which I just have to point out, is that it was nominated for Best Picture that year. A lot of 2010, people love this movie. Nominated. We should have, well, we can, we're saying it now. We can keep this in. Keep it. The Hurt Locker won, which is the right choice, okay? But other nominees that year, Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, and Education, Inglorious Bastards, Precious, Up, and Up in the Air. What a year that was. What a year. Yeah, I think I liked all those, except I don't think I've seen the Sandra Bullock movie. The Blind Side. I haven't seen it either. It That seemed kind of, I don't know. Did you say horrible? I didn't really like her hair, and so I think <laughs> that turned me off to the entire movie. That's great. Her hair <laughs> acting was terrible. It's little, it's little things like that that literally can make or break. Hair and makeup, you blew that yep. one. So next week... It was my pick this week. I actually picked a movie that I have not seen. This is on Amazon Prime, The Lighthouse, from director Robert Eggers, who also directed the horror film The Witch, which was a favorite of all of ours, I think. We screened it a number of years ago at the Art Museum. Um, this movie is about isolated lighthouse keepers. They are out there at a lighthouse. There's weather going on around them. They're trying to stay alive. They're trying to stay sane. Um, it takes place in 1890. So the facial hair game is really strong. So I you know, was turned off by Sandra Bullock's hair. I was really turned on by the hair in this trailer, um, Willem Dafoe has a nice big full gray beard and Robert Pattinson, dreamy Robert Pattinson had this cute little mustache. So we'll see how that, uh, how that balances out. Um, but something tells me it's not going to be a dreamy experience. I'm sure it is going to uh, thrill, delight and, and shock a little bit um, from what I've heard. So the lighthouse. Am I the yes. only person that has seen this? I, I have not so. seen it. I've not seen it yet. But I've been meaning to. That's fantastic. Yeah, is this another one that's uh, shot? Did they do that four by three aspect ratio? They did. Yeah. It's a great look at masculinity. I can't wait to talk Ooh, about it. I love talking about masculinity. <laughs> with all of with all of the dudes that I record this podcast that's, with. <laughs> your point of view will be very important. I'm really looking forward to watching it. And nice. uh, yeah, so, so um, black and white, black and white, right? Uh -huh. Where mm -hmm. is it streaming? Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Amazon. Got it. Yes, you must have Amazon Prime to stream it. Uh, enjoy it. I think you will. I want to give a shout out to Britain. Okay. Uh, we always ask every week, you know, what are people watching out in our universe? And Britain recommended a documentary called Paris is Burning. It's on the Criterion Collection. So if you subscribe to that service, you can watch Paris is Burning, which is um, 
all about the end of drag balls in New York City, kind of at the end of like the golden era of um, of like the drag uh, culture. And I, I'm really excited to watch that. So Britain is recommending Paris is Burning. If you can get your hands on that, take a watch. That's been our episode. You can purchase your virtual ticket for Spaceship Earth and St. Francis through our website and Facebook page. And join us this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. for a panel discussion on Spaceship Earth, which yours truly and the rest of your film grain hosts will be discussing. I can't wait for that. And check out The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime. Stay on top of all of your local COVID news from the state of PA and our county executive, Kathy Dahlkemper, and let us know what you think of everything that we do, whether you like us or hate us, on Facebook in the comments section. Make sure you follow us on social media and you'll find all of our tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.